Welcome to Gen Z Hoops. Today, we're joined by our Northwest Division expert, Ryan Liu, here to break down the past week of NBA action for the Jazz, Nuggets, Timberwolves, Thunder, and Trailblazers. Starting us off, how has Utah responded this week with their win streak in jeopardy? Yeah, John, Utah's actually playing really well right now. Uh, they've extended their win streak to eight games against the Pelicans, Warriors, Knicks, and Mavericks. A big part of that is Joe Ingles. Uh, Joe Ingles is showing his importance to the team right now. Um, his consistency as an off-ball playmaker and his ability to hit open threes is really, really fitting well with this team right now. And he's also a pretty good defender, too, which also helps. Rudy Gobert continues to lock down the paint as per usual. Uh, he's had at least three blocks per game in each game this week. And really awesome against the Knicks here. Uh, when they won, Royce O'Neal broke out for 20 points showing that he's more than just a defender. Um, he can break out for those 20 points every once in a while, which is which would be a nice boost for them as they continue this season. Are there not in the standings for them, or are they still leading the pack? Yeah, Utah's solidifying themselves as a contender right now, especially with this win streak. They're opening a lot of eyes for sure and have a lot, having a lot of people on notice. I think the Lakers are kind of looking down at them now, saying, hey, you know, there's some competition. Utah definitely is looking legit right now. They definitely took over the top, they took over the top seed, actually, in the West. So I've, I've seen on Twitter that the Blazers have had some bad news this week. Can you elaborate on maybe what that means for them going forward? CJ McCollum actually went down with an injury as well. Um, they lost Nurkic last week, and now they just lost CJ. Um, he's going to be out for the next two months at least as he undergoes surgery. Obviously, that's a huge injury, Ryan. I mean, how does this impact their playoff chances? CJ was arguably playing the best ball of his career so far to this point, and it's a huge blow to the team with him being out of the lineup as he was carrying a big load there, helping Damian Lillard out. Uh, but Damian is carrying more of a load now without CJ, and uh, he's led the team in scoring in every game this week so far. Their game against the Grizzlies was postponed again, and their two games against the Thunder and Rockets ended up in losses, uh, which was very disappointing to see as you know the Blazers are seen as the superior team against the Thunder and Rockets so far this season. Um, so that, that was those are definitely must-win games that they should have won. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. has been playing well, uh, replacing CJ in the starting lineup, but with him starting now, it takes away the depth. Um, so. It makes guys like Rodney, Rodney Hood have to step up and Anthony Simons. So those are guys to watch here coming in a few weeks. It's the same thing with Portland here. Staying healthy and playing better defense. I sound like a broken record here, but I say this every week. That those are the two keys here for them to be able to go far in the playoffs this year. Now they may slip out of the playoff race with these two injuries to two key players of their core. Having Nurkic out last season, we saw how that really affected them, how, how much it hurt the team. But also without CJ, having that one-two punch with Damian and CJ gone, this has got to be a one-man show from Damian, so it's hard to it's hard to see see that these these days, especially with you know how talent wins in this league. I know since Minnesota ended the losing streak this season, how have they looked with everyone healthy this season? You know, on a high note, uh, Minnesota ended their four-game losing streak with a win over the Pelicans, uh, led by Naz Reed and Jared Vanderbilt. Two guys you wouldn't assume, but uh, Naz Reed scored 20 points and Jared Vanderbilt had 11 rebounds, uh, so they're both playing well and in Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell's absence. And on to that, uh, D'Angelo Russell did miss a few games with injury, unfortunately, which just only piles onto the list of issues to start the season. Uh, then they ended the week with back-to-back -back losses against the Warriors, so back back to the script, as uh, some would say, for the for the Timberwolves. Malik Beasley did lead the team in he did lead the team in scoring in both games versus the Warriors, though. So he he has been a bright spot all year so far for them. Now, do you think they still have a chance of making the playoffs, or is it kind of out of reach at this point? You know, I think at this point, it's going to be extremely tough to remain competitive in the West. Uh, the West is extremely competitive, as we all know, and the Timberwolves are in 15th place, in last place. And even though there is 10 seeds this year, I, I don't see them really breaking out of their out of their youth movement right now. Uh, they should focus on developing their young players because they really do have a lot of solid young guys that they've drafted over the past couple of years. Um, so they should definitely see how that gels, especially with chemistry-wise going forward. Cool, so then taking things over to Oklahoma City, what's going on with the Thunder? Yeah, I mean, playing the Pacific Division is no no easy task this year. Every team is, every team is competitive in that division. 
Uh, they split their week going two and two, taking wins versus Portland and Phoenix, uh, but they fell in back-to-back games against the Clippers. So it shows that the LA teams are really, really ruling the Western Conference this year so far. Al Horford is coming into his own. Um, he's embraced his new role with the, with this young team, and he's really giving his guidance and being unselfish this year. So it's great to see him in this role. What's the Thunder's biggest need that you've noticed so far for them to get back into contention? Uh, rookie Theo Maladon. Uh, he's starting to get rotation minutes, and he's a rookie this year, so they're they're definitely trying to see what they have in him. And uh, look, he may even he may even you know overtake George Hill in the future as a starter. Now the obvious answer here is talent. Uh, Shea guess Alexander is their future, and they have plenty of draft capital to either pair him with a star in the future or definitely use that as trade assets to go get somebody. But definitely talent wins in this league. They have something brewing with Shea here. I think they need to find the pieces to fit around. And then the next thing would be chemistry. This is a young team that was patched together with seven veterans who are unselfish. Um, so it's going to take a couple of years, and hopefully these young guys learn and get better. Uh, this is probably going to be a five-year project for them. I mean, unless they make a crazy trade, but this is going to be a five-year rebuild. And I think it's, you know, starting off in a great direction, making the playoffs last year. Finishing things off with the Nuggets, what, how do you think they've been looking this week? You know, Denver's been looking really good. Uh, Nikola Jokic went off for a crazy double-double, 29 points and 22 rebounds in the game earlier this week. And they ended up going on a four-game win streak. And in, in, in those four games, Nikola also scored, or he was the leading scorer in three of those four. Uh, so it's great to see his leadership there and really carrying the load. Michael Porter Jr. returned from his absence as well uh, due to COVID. And he led the team to win versus the Mavericks with 30 points. Jamichael Green has been providing really solid minutes off the bench with his ability to stretch the floor. And he's been a really solid addition to this team as he showed flashes with the Clippers last year coming off the bench in this role. And he's really, really thrived with Jeremy Grant's absence especially. What's the next step that'll make Denver an elite team after what we've, after what we've seen from them in the regular season? You know, I think they were making strides last season to become really elite. And I've said it over and over again. I think, I think it really starts on defense with them. Um, when they're when they're a really good defensive team, they can really show how much they how much they belong in the in the top five. But once they figure that out, they'll be the sky's the limit. Um, but until then, we'll see. Welcome to Gen Z Hoops. Today, we're joined by our Central Division expert Logan Nottrub, here to break down the past week of NBA action for the Bucks, Bulls, Cavs, Pacers, and Pistons. Starting us off with the Pacers, they've had scattered dog spots over the last few weeks. What are you seeing from them, Logan? The Pacers had a 3-1 record this week, and I think that some of the biggest news for Pacers fans has definitely come in the realm of injuries. Karis LeVert had a successful surgery on his left kidney after it was discovered that there was a cancerous mass on his kidney during an MRI resulting from his trade to the Pacers. It's definitely something that I'm glad they caught because he's just a really incredible player and such a fun guy to watch. In addition, Sabonis banged knees with Kyle Lowry on Monday night's game against the Raptors. Fortunately, the MRI concluded that it wasn't anything serious. Now, on to some impressive showings from this week's games. I don't want to say I told you so, but Jeremy Lamb has been a force off the Pacers bench. He averaged 19 points per game and almost six rebounds per game off the bench for the Pacers this week, if you don't count his game the other night against the Hornets, in which he only scored three points which was very uncharacteristic of him. Finally, I want to bring attention to Malcolm Brogdon's performance on Monday night against Toronto. With 36 points, 7 rebounds, and 9 assists, this was easily the best performance of Brogdon's career. To see the former Rookie of the Year continue to improve year after year is part of the reason why I continue to hold to my statement that this Pacers team is coming up on a championship window. Moving over to the Bulls, what do they still need to do more of in order to improve down the road? 
I think the biggest thing for them is that they need to give more minutes to their young talent. One thing I found particularly interesting after looking into the Bulls this week was the variation in minutes for rookie Patrick Williams. He played 16 minutes last Friday against the Hornets, 31 minutes on Saturday against the Lakers, and just 10 minutes on Monday against the Celtics. I, for one, have no idea why. With the constant fluctuation in Wendell Carter Jr.'s availability, the consistency or lack thereof of Laurie Markkinen in question, and the occasional emergence of Kobe White, you think the one thing the Bulls would want is consistency. Patrick Williams is averaging almost nine and a half points, four rebounds, and an assist per game despite tremendous fluctuations in his minutes. They played him for 31 against the Lakers, and he dropped 13, 8, and 1. They played him for 10 against the Celtics, and he dropped 2, 0, and 1. This is a young guy who has held his own despite being thrown into the fire, having some of the toughest matchups in the league. Another interesting fact from this week is that Zach Levine and Lowry Markinen both eclipsed 400 threes for the Bulls on the same night. Beating the Nets back-to-back is no easy task. What are your thoughts on the Cleveland Cavaliers? Yeah, the Cavs posted a 2-2 two and two record this week, which keeps them at 500. They certainly aren't doing as bad as most people, including myself, thought. They're getting solid performances from a lot of their young talent. Look to see Colin Sexton and Jarrett Allen explode onto the scene down the road. I also wouldn't be surprised to see Darius Garland turn into a solid role player with more time to develop. Secondly, I feel that it's necessary to briefly touch on a rumor that was circulated this week concerning Cavs big man Andre Drummond. Multiple reporters came out saying that they're expecting a buyout and for Drummond to move to the Nets. Drummond opted into a player option for $28.8 million this season and has had a career season thus far. He isn't visibly upset, and his effort supports this. To sacrifice a portion of his guaranteed $29 million without being discontent doesn't make too much sense. While it wouldn't be impossible and could be accomplished should he decide to focus on championships, I read multiple sources pointing out the previous point as well as the fact that the Cavaliers haven't looked that bad. Hovering around 500 with some promising young players certainly isn't a bad spot to be. So what's the point of the organization buying him out if they're still in the playoff hunt? Finally, despite all of this drama, Drummond has been playing extremely well this past week, with his most notable performance coming in their win against the Pistons the other night with 23 points, 16 rebounds, and 5 steals. He's just the second Cavalier since Ron Harper in 1987 to post a 2015 line with five steals. Interesting stuff, Logan. And how about the Bucs? The Bucs finished this week with a 2-1 and record, and their game against the Wizards was postponed. While nothing too exciting happened with the Bucs this week, I was pleasantly surprised to see a couple of impressive performances. Bobby Portis came off the bench to score 21 points and snag six boards for the Bucks in Sunday's win against the Hawks. Another notable, another notable performance came last night in the Bucks' victory over the Raptors. Giannis was just one assist shy of a triple-double with an incredible 24 points, 18 rebounds, and nine assists. Another X factor for the Bucks has been the efficiency of Brooke Lopez. He shot 62% from the field in total this week going 18 for 29 from the field, including four for eight from deep. Finish goes up in Detroit, having only one more win in the 3-11 Wizards. Where do they go from there? The Pistons had another disappointing week with a 1-3 record. 
there is one player on this team who has stuck out in the past week, and that is the former Dallas Maverick, DeLon Wright. He was consistently above his averages this week with 16.8 points per game, six rebounds per game, six assists per game, and two steals per game, compared to his usual nine, four, four, and one. Another interesting thing I noticed is how despite the Pistons' woes, they don't actually strike me as being in a bad position. With an opportunity to face another draft lottery that hasn't been particularly kind to them, in addition, they haven't lost a game this season by more than 15 points, so it's not like they've been getting blown out. While they don't have the most talented group of veteran players in the league, they are savvy and know what they're doing on the court. This team won't find success this year without moving players, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. While any fan has reason to hate waiting for their team to succeed, this would be a good time for this team to give their young guys some experience and allow the vets that they have time to mentor these younger guys. 